This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Go, go, come on! Run, we can't run. We need tactical units to go ahead and start responding to the help support at the Walmart. Busting guns in Walmart right now. AK. Somebody's got shot. All tag units, investigative units, please make it to the west side of Walmart, please. He just walked into Walmart very confidently, and, you know, it looked like he was on a mission. It's Sunday morning on The Fan. Good morning, everybody. This is Bob Salter. And, yes, that um, some very disturbing sound um, in montage form from the events surrounding shooting in El Paso, Texas at a uh, Walmart in a shopping mall that basically is an area that's just across the border from a section of Mexico. That was that shooting which took place, and literally there were a couple of thousand people in the store at the time, about 100 employees, and they were all evacuated. And it was one of these cases of a mass shooting where gunmen comes into the store and literally is just shooting people. And, you know, we've had so many incidents like that in this country that raises an awful lot of questions. And I'm very pleased that we have a guest who is joining us this hour of our program. We've talked with him a number of times before. His name is Dr. John Huber. Dr. Huber is the chairman for Mainstream Mental Health which is an interesting organization in and of itself. He's a clinical forensic psychologist. He's appeared on this program a number of times. He's also the host of Mainstream Mental Health Radio. And he is talking with us this weekend as New York's red flag law is now in effect. And we're interested in getting some of his thoughts as well in the course of our discussion. And I'm going to say this too. You know, as we are in discussion, what very often works best on this program is when we have some input from some of the folks who are listening to us. You know, we have on this program a couple of weeks before we move into a more abbreviated schedule in the fall. So this is a time when you can join us. You want to join us? 877-337-6666 is our number. And after our 8 o'clock update, Rick Wolf is along with the Sports Edge program. Dr. Huber, it's good to speak with you again. Good morning. Good to speak with you again, Bob, as well. I wish it was different circumstances, but, you know, this is how life goes. Well, you know, I wanted you on the program today for a couple of reasons. Um, you know, I opened the hour and... I I was a bit hesitant because I put that montage together eh, somewhere around 4 o'clock this morning. Um, <laughs> and at the time, I thought to myself, is this too graphic? Is this going to turn people off? Um, am I doing something that is being exploitive 
uh, all these thoughts are running through my head. And of course, I'm answering myself at the time, which <laughs> may be another discussion in, in and of itself. But uh-huh. I, I, I wanted something to be able to start us off in discussion because we haven't talked with you since you know, this number of mass shootings has seemed to explode in this country. And I'm also interested in getting your perspective on this red flag law taking place in New York. It officially went into effect yesterday. Um, first, let's back up a little bit. You know, we had that okay. weekend a couple of weeks back where literally in uh, within 24 hours' time, there were two different mass shootings. One was obviously in El Paso, Texas. The other one was in Dayton, Ohio. Both just horrific events. Absolutely. Um, how do we, I want to say, how do we recover from that? Are we doing the right things as a country? As a country. You know, you're, you're asking, are we doing the right thing? Well, let, let's put things in perspective. I, I'm a forensic psychologist. And I have to go to court, and I have to, I have to talk about numbers all the time because the judges want to know what's really going on, and judges take away that emotional element that tends to make things worse a lot of times than maybe uh, the reality of it is. And, and the closest year we have full data for is 2017, that year, we lost 47,000 people in this country to guns and firearms, pistols, long rifles, all of that kind of stuff. We had less than 300 people die, and this is par for the course. I mean, we, every year we have less than 300 people die from mass shootings. And nationwide, that equates to 19 to 30, actually 20 to 30 mass shooting events where four or more people die, okay? So we're talking one-tenth of one percent of all gun homicides, deaths in this country are in mass shootings. That same weekend in Dayton, Ohio, and El Paso, Texas, in Chicago, we had 59 people get shot that weekend. Mm -hmm. That happens every weekend, 30 to 50 people every year or every weekend get shot in Chicago alone. Uh, are we then trying to minimize these lives? Absolutely not. Nobody should be able to go to a safe place that they like to go and be human being at, whether it's church, school, work, or to a shopping center, a grocery store, a restaurant, and have to worry about being shot. And, and unfortunately, it does happen. And the FBI statistics for the last 12 to 15 years show that it happens somewhere between 20 and 30 times. I've done some research on my own. I found these events have happened as early as the 1820s. And it's always a very, very tiny portion of the number of people that are actually shot and killed in this country with handguns and rifles the rest of the year. In fact, with long rifles, AR-15s to deer rifles, we usually have around 400 people 420, 430 people get shot with those. At the same time, we have on average about 1,200 people every year who drown in their bathtub. And uh, what what does all this mean? Well, statistically, you're more likely to be bitten by a shark twice than you are to be a victim at a mass shooting event. And 
it is a knee-jerk reaction to all of a sudden start throwing laws up there to do stuff like this, taking away potentially one's civil liberties, civil rights, and it scares me. I like the idea of what they're doing, but how do we go about doing it while protecting our civil liberties and ensuring due process? And I don't know if this law actually ensures that due process at all. Okay. Um, there's so many different things based on what you you, ju- you, you just said. But let's back up for a second because you've talked with us before. I'll say to folks who are listening to our discussion today, um, you reside in the state of Texas, okay? Yes, sir. Um, I, if I'm correct, I believe you also are a gun owner. And deer hunter, yes, sir. Okay, all right. So I'm just putting that out there as uh, something as a point for folks Absolutely. listening to our discussion today. But it's interesting that you said you kind of understand the sentiment behind yes. the legislation. Would you say there might be a better way of doing this? I think there is a, a better way of doing this. And the problem is, you know, and the, I see problems with this when just from the mechanical side of it. And, and the problem is, though, you, you've got to sit down where, where somebody is making an arbitrary decision on whether somebody is a threat to themselves or others. And I think that there's a way to do it where we ensure that we make that decision based on actual research data empirical data. I mean, for example, we know, and this is just one of the many things we know about mass shooters, that 79% of them are loners. They, they have no, no solid relationships. They tend to be very uh, isolated. The other thing we know is 56% of them tell somebody they're going to actually shoot somebody. So the idea that you have a friend or somebody notify authorities of this is exactly one of the things that needs to happen, especially if, you know, over half of them are, are telling people exactly what they're going to do before they do it. So it, it's, it's a very thin line. And I know just about every state has a process to, for example, commit somebody to a mental health facility if they're a threat to themselves or others. But they typically involve going before uh, a judge and a juror and or a jury and proving that those individuals are not safe. They're, they're actually a threat. And that's based on years, decades of human behavior and data we have. So you can walk in and say, this is happening, this is happening, this is happening, and these are the signs. Let's say this individual is is a threat to themselves or others, and it includes the participation of mental health professionals and attorneys and judges in the judicial system. It's not something that somebody just picks up and writes a, a, a statement saying that they believe this person is that way, and the process begins. There's there's actually real due process involved in that, and it's a difficult thing because again. When you commit somebody, you're taking away their civil liberties. You're taking away their freedom. And, um, again, there are some people that that is the best thing. So I, I, 
I have a double-edged sword in that situation. I believe that it can be beneficial and it could help. But let's just say 56% of them, we're still running around here with 15 or so of these events every year as opposed to 30. Mm. The red flag law in effect in New York, making the Empire State the 17th in the nation to put the gun control measure in place. Basically, the regulations involved are designed to prevent people who show signs of being at risk to themselves or others from purchasing or owning a firearm, a rifle, or a shotgun. Now, there's so many areas where one can go in this discussion. What we're going to do is take a pause. I want to talk a little bit more about this law, also talk about the um, profiles and what we know about people who uh, have a propensity to do these mass shootings as well. We're talking with Dr. John Huber on our program. He's the chairman for Mainstream Mental Health. You want to join us in our discussion, you can. 877-337-6666 here at The Fan. Well, good morning, everybody. This is Bob Solter after our 8 o'clock update. It is Rick Wolf who is along with the Sports Edge program. Ed Randall is by Talking Baseball after our 9 o'clock update on the fan this Sunday morning. We are in a discussion with Dr. John Huber on our program. Uh, he has spoke, spoken with us a number of times, and we've really just begun in this discussion. Um, as I mentioned, Dr. Huber is the chairman for Mainstream Mental Health, and uh, he is a clinical forensic psychologist. I said what we try to do also is to take some calls from some of the folks listening to us. 877-337-6666 is our phone number here at The Fan, and I'll tell you what, this should work perfectly. Uh, Bernie in Howard Beach has joined us. Bernie, good morning. Welcome to The Fan. Good morning. Uh, So, uh, simple question. Um, uh, Doctor, you're director of Mainstream Mental Health. That's such an amorphous term. I mean, what what is it that uh, the organization uh, defines itself as compared compared to what what else? What else is there besides mainstream mental health? I mean, I, I don't understand. It's just too too broad a statement. Well, actually, it's not. I'm trying to make mental health issues something we can talk about in mainstream without being inundated with mythology, without being inundated by uh, stigmatization. Uh, you know, I've, I've been on Bob's show several times, and and we talk about destigmatizing mental health. And, you know, this is a thing that, that contributes to stigmatization, the, the fact that they're targeting people with mental health disorders when, in fact, most people with mental health disorders are far more likely to be victims of violence than perpetrators. And uh, it's it's a pretty dramatic thing because now you got people who don't want the world to know that they have mental health disorders and because maybe they have, you know, families that like to hunt and fish, you know, in upstate New York or run around there. And if somebody doesn't like somebody in that, in that family, they can say, well, his cousin's got disorder. So maybe he does too. Let's go and, and do this. We just need to talk about it. We need I to be agree. out there. I agree that. I mean, I mean, what, 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 uh, you know, what more you can check me out on online at mainstreammentalhealth.org. 
the whole process, the whole reason for this is destigmatization. It, you know, we don't go out and actually treat people through the organization because not everybody that works with us are mental health professionals. Okay. I agree with the idea that you just stated, that it's a good idea to um, make it more knowledgeable and yes. part of society. But who's attacking mental health? I mean, who you refer to the people who are attacking. Who's attacking? Well, I don't think I use the word attacking specifically, but when you talk about government policies, when I mentioned before there's 47,000 people killed with handguns and rifles across the United States and less than 30 on average mass shootings, yes, the research has shown that the mass shootings, 62 to 63% of them had a previous mental health diagnosis. There are somewhere around 20 to 50 million people in this country with mental health diagnosis, and you're going to create this law to go after people with mental health issues. Uh, it, it does when you're talking about 30 or fewer shooters, and there's 50 million people that are potentially uh, stigmatizing here. Okay, so I mean, it, the, the only person I can think of who is directly attacking the, the mental health of the country is the president. So on, on that, well, basis, there's there's a lot of people out there. I, you know, it's easy to use him as a scapegoat, uh, but it's governors across the state. I, in the past three weeks since the shootings, I have talked to many senators. And it's amazing on both sides of the party how many want to do things and protect those individual civil rights as well as protecting their constituents from the threat of some shooting like this. So uh, it's actually across the board. It's, it's in movies. We stigmatize people with mental health issues. Uh, it, it's our culture as general in general goes after and stigmatizes mental health issues. We can, again, talk about the president. But, uh, you know, your governor, your, your mayors across the state of New York uh, are in favor of this. So they're attacking mental health as well because there's a lot more people out there with mental health issues that are going Atta about peaceably. Attacking or protecting? They're not protecting people with mental that, health issues. That's the basis. That depends on your point of view. Thank you very much. Well, all right. All right. All right. My, <laughs> Thank you. My, my belief is that people, far fewer people now, if they have a belief that they, they are being, again, stigmatized another way, are going to get less and less mental health now, help in the mental health industry for fear. This is another reason for them to not get the help they need. Okay. Let's talk about this idea of mass shootings because, yeah. you know, first of all, that term even being – Part of the lexicon now is um, it's something that should be frightening. I think to I think you're right. a lot of people, and it's it's just become commonplace. It's like, oh yeah, you know, there's another mass shooting. Well, well yeah, there's whoa, it's a mass shooting. Is anybody paying attention? I mean, this I would think should be something that we all should be alarmed about, the fact that there even is one that occurs. Now, right. the other aspect of the discussion gets into who it is that has a propensity to, I'm going to use the phrase, act out in this fashion. Who are we, re are we really talking about? 
who are we really talking about? Well, more famously and, and more recently, we've seen a lot of terrorist attacks in the United States. And terrorist attacks are a special uh, one that are different in that the people who do them, if they came into my office and were to be tested, and we use the Rorschach and the MMPI and all these other tests to identify mental health disorders, they would not be identified as having a mental health disorder. They tend to be driven by religious or political ideation. Speaking of 9-11, in fact, we lost over 3,000. The state, state of New York and New York City specifically remembers that. And there was not a gun involved in any of that. But those individuals, if they had been in my office the week before, would have tested normal as far as having a mental health disorder. Um, now, if someone were to have asked me uh, to identify, you know, fanatical type behavior that is uh, on the bizarre extreme end, um, that might have shown up. However, there wasn't a mental health disorder in any of those people's minds. Now we think, wait, that's crazy to go and harm people and shoot people and all this kind of stuff. But if you believe in your ideation, your political, your religious ideation, that if you do this, you're actually helping more people, a lot of times we tend to uh, act in, in very extreme ways, knowing that killing people in itself is wrong. And then, now, then the mass shooters. Mm -hmm. uh, those individuals tend to, you know, be an extreme group. There's some commonalities. We have things like uh, absentee parenting. You notice most of these people tend to be really young. We did have the Vegas shooter, and he was at a point in his life where he pretty much lost just about everything. He was in debt significantly. Uh, he had. In his eyes, and, and this is speculative because nobody got to do an assessment on this person, but based on the evidence, he felt like he had uh, a lot of things going against him. He had a father who was uh, easily described based on his behavior as being some sort of sociopath or psychopath. He had uh, a brother who shortly after the Las Vegas shooting was arrested for distributing child pornography. He had a lot of sociopathic history in his family, so he probably was in that line uh, or not very far from it. And he felt like this was a good way for himself to go out, and that's what he did. And unfortunately, uh, a lot of other people had to pay a price. Uh, shooters, mass shooters, mass... I mean, literally the week after... Dayton, Ohio, we had a mass knifing where more than four people or four or more people were killed in a knifing here in the United States. It didn't get much more than local coverage because it wasn't a, a firearm. Uh, but uh, we have mass knifings. Uh, there was one in, in Australia earlier this year where 22 people were killed, somebody with a knife. So limiting guns isn't necessarily going to stop these events from happening. It's just going to make it more difficult for somebody to go about doing these things, which is ultimately what we really want. But at the same time, I want to protect individuals' civil liberties and civil rights.
Dr. John Huber is talking with us this hour of our program on The Fan. And after our 8 o'clock update, Rick Wolf is along with the Sports Edge program. 877-337-6666 is our number at WFAN. You want to join the discussion? Let's go over to uh, Daniel in Cranford, New Jersey. Daniel, good morning. Welcome to The Fan. Hey, how you doing? I just got to ask Dr. Huber, where, where did he pull that stat that people are more likely to be bitten twice by a shark than be killed in a mass shooting? Uh, well, first of all, in the United States alone, we have we have on average one shark death every two years, uh, it, statistically, and those those numbers are out there. You go to the CDC, you look at causes of death, and I've I've been doing this for a long time because I, I have been advocating for what I call a mental health warrant, something that can go out and help people. I'd be identified as potential mass shooters or, or harmful to communities with mental health disorders. Uh, so, you know, it, it's the numbers are there. It's an hour earlier your time than it is here. I don't have my computer even up right now. So I, I, I can go through and pull out my data. If you'd like to contact me at the mental health, mainstream mental health website, there's an email address. And I can get you that data. Uh, fine. I, I just don't think the numbers back that up. I mean, bitten twice by a shark? That seems astronomical for one person. Even in this country, if you just make it finite the United States, it makes no sense. But okay. anyway, well, I mean, <laughs> I, mean I, I kind of was leaning towards the uh, stricter gun laws, et cetera, et cetera, until I heard Bill Weld on a show, the, the former Massachusetts governor who's challenging Trump on the Republican side, mentioned that one of the issues that a lot of people have that I kind of forgot was that Nazi Germany took away I think Absolutely. Guns and Idi Amin did it in uh, Uganda. That's why people are adamant that, yeah, there should be background checks and good gun legislation. But Correct. actually eradicate it would be... Not that you would expect that kind of thing to happen, but the way things are going today, no. You never know. Exactly. Uh, and I don't think the people of Nazi Germany expect it. I got it. I just want to chime in. Thanks a bunch. Thank you. Thank no you for problem. your call and your patience on the phone, too, uh, Daniel. Uh, this morning, 877-337-6666 is our number here at The Fan. Uh, let's see. We can do one more call here before we take a pause. Excellent. Is this uh, Hobie? Is that Hobie in Manalapan? Yes. Good morning. Hey. Got to be quick. Good morning. Yeah, how you doing, Bob? We're good. <clears throat> All right. I'm 73 years old. Uh, when I was growing up, obviously, we didn't have these mass shootings, and it seemed like it was a totally different world. And I, I look back on my life, and I say, well, what's changed? And uh, I, I, I still work part-time, and I remember back when I was uh, an executive with, with Verizon, you go down to breakfast or something, everybody be there, and you sit at the table, and you're all conversing, and you're interacting and everything else. And now... <clears throat> at 73, I'm working at a golf course, and you come in at lunchtime, and there's no conversation. Everybody's looking, at their, everybody's looking at their phone. So you're not getting that socialization that I used to experience. You know, that you, there's nobody talking to each other. There's no interaction going on. The only interaction going on is between the phone and the person. And it, it seems to me that the, the communication now has changed so much, it's not person to person. There's no interaction. 
it's person to phone and phone to person. It's, it seems to me that there's such a major disconnect um, that I never experienced as a kid because obviously we didn't have cell phones, you know, but we went out and played and we talked to each other and everything else. But now it just seems like everybody's talking to their phone. And I, I, I think it, people are just not getting the interaction, the person to person interaction anymore. It's, it just seems to be non existent. All right, Hobie, I'm going to thank you for your call this morning. We've got to take a, a pause for sports updates and some messages. Thank you for sharing your thoughts. We'll get to more folks as well. We're talking with Dr. John Huber on our program on the fan. Dr. John Huber is talking with us on our program on the fan this Sunday morning. Dr. Huber is the chairman for Mainstream Mental Health, which is a nonprofit organization on the web at MainstreamMentalHealth.org. I mentioned earlier in our discussion, he's a clinical forensic psychologist, host of Mainstream Mental Health Radio. He has joined us on our program a number of times um, previously as well. And I said what we'd do today is to try to work in some thoughts from some of the folks who are listening to us a lot of folks want to jump in on the phone on uh, some of the topics that have been addressed here. 877-337-6666 is our number. After our 8 o'clock update, Rick Wolf has the Sports Edge. Ed Randall's Talking Baseball is along after our 9 o'clock update. Over to Fanwood, New Jersey. We go, my goodness, Fanwood. I'm 25 years of doing this show. I've never taken a call from somebody in Fanwood, New Jersey. Alex, good morning. Thanks for holding on. Welcome to the fan. Hey, good morning. Yeah, Fanwood's a small little town, like landlocked in Scotch Plains. I know it very, very well. I used to go through Fanwood almost every day when I worked in Plainfield. My God, uh, that was, yeah, right that next was to... 30 years ago, yes. Yeah. Uh, so one thing that I really wanted to quickly um, uh, mention to the doctor, I think he's doing a noble effort. Um, destigmatizing mental health is extremely important these days, and, um, and I really want to praise him for that. However, I do have to take um, I do have to take a little bit of disconcerting effort in the fact that some of the stuff that you're preaching today on the show is kind of detrimental and uh, putting a wash out there to all the good work that you do. Um, the, the the whole like shark statistic that you brought up is just like a complete fabrication. I don't know okay. where you got okay. that from. If you want to believe that? That's fine. I mean, I I, I, I I mean, I could tell you that there's been over 250 plus mass shootings where three plus people have died in this country. I don't know where you come with. Well, the, the, the FBI data is they, the FBI, FBI has a definition of four deaths at, at, at any one event for it to be identified as a mass shooting. And I use the FBI data that's been around for decades. Now, the, the, there's several other organizations out there that have come up with different diagnose or de- definitions of mass shootings. One of them being the uh, Gun Violence Archive, who has the one of the ones that's most frequently cited, and it's in the 250s to 260s by their definition right now. Yes, but the reality is their definition. Uh, well, but that's that's comparing apples to oranges. Since the FBI's been doing this for decades, I mean, can't go back. That's and, fine and well, dandy. Okay. I, I don't believe that you should be mentioning the whole shark bite thing because that's that's like a Republican talking point that's on Fox News. Oh, okay. That's that's. I I just know that this is data. When I go to, in front of judges, when I go in front of of uh, politicians, and I have to be able to defend my statements, I have data. Yeah, that, that, that's cherry that's picked data. That, that's yeah. not that's not useful. That's detrimental. 
Okay. okay. A- anyway, besides besides that point, um, I, I also think I, I take a little trouble in your verse where you were saying it's it's your locals, it's your senators, it's your Congress people. Are you aware that in February the, the Democratic House had passed a universal background check law? Absolutely, it was signed into law in February, which I think is is great that they're being you know thinking forward. I just am concerned that that it is not protecting people's due are, process. Are you concerned that the majority of Americans, including about eighty five percent of the Republicans, support that as well too? But it's not being brought up for a vote within our Congress. I don't necessarily think that that's not a talking point for one side or the other as well. So, uh, you know, I, I, yeah, exactly. We're, we're moving into a political. We're we're moving into a political arena, and that that is. I'm just here to talk about the mental health. Which I think is important because I mean, I think what you're doing is an extremely noble effort. But but I do have to take a lot of trouble in what you were great thing moments ago and, you and i never right. called to the station but I, I felt like i needed to just in case some people were out there actually listening okay but other than that, doctor, I, I do think what you're doing is, is great i commend you for it um i just think that you have to err on the side of caution whenever you kind of bring in politics to your situation um, absolutely i think you're correct the line that you gotta dance on but um i would refrain from taking republican talking points and kind of Spewing that out on national radio. That, that's very dangerous to do. But other than that, um, I appreciate you, and uh, thanks a lot for taking my call. Thank you for your call, your patience on the phone this morning, Alex. <laughs> Next up in uh, New Jersey as well, in Tinton Falls, is Leo. Leo has been holding for some time. Leo, good morning. Welcome to The Fan. Good morning, John, and thank you for bringing up the subject. Thank you. Um, really quickly, seeing as how so many hours of dinner time conversation and our households were held about these decks. I really think one has to look at the history of mental health care in this country without stigmatizing it. But so many facilities have been closed. So many insurance policies don't cover mental health care that because it's stigmatized, it keeps getting pushed under the rug. Mental health care needs to be talked about. Absolutely. People, civilizations are deserving of help, and I don't think this country does a very good job. We'd rather blame it on guns. We'd rather blame it on politics when it really is a health issue. Um, so that was my comment for today. Okay. Thank you for the call this morning. Uh, let's see. Stay in New Jersey. We're going to Bob in Little Ferry, New Jersey. Bob, good morning. Welcome to the fan. Good morning. Good morning. and uh, Good morning, Dr. Uber. We've spoken before. Good morning. Uh, Bob, you raised your voice before, and uh, it really roused me up at the same time, because you raised your voice and you said, what is going on? Does anybody understand what's going on here? And I agree with that, meaning that, to me, the ultimate crime is shooting people at random, innocent people. I can't think of another crime in in, in our life situation that is worse than that. Uh, the weapons situation... Uh, that's the legislation, uh, legislation thing that's going on. God yeah. knows what's going to happen with that. There's a million ways they could go on that, but uh, we all have so much doubt in the way things are run today in Congress. It's it's incredible. Something should be done, obviously. But here's the thing, Dr. Yuba, for you. I think when we get down to the mental uh, part of this, why is the shooter doing what he's doing? Now, we're not talking, we're talking about people, yes, with mental 
problems. However, these people have put a lot of thought into what they're doing. They're not crazy in the sense where they're just wandering around bumping into walls. They know what they're doing. So we're dealing with people that have a certain amount of intelligence involved in what they're doing. So let's get down to, I see one of three things that are happening. Number one, they're making a statement. We don't know exactly what it is, but they're making a statement. Number two, they're taking revenge against society. Why? We don't know why. Well, number three, they have a tremendous hatefulness against humanity. All right, well, all of these are singular issues. These things can be helped if somebody could speak to these people or offer mental help. However, the reason that they take it out on innocent people, no, I'm sorry. We can't let them get away with it. I believe without question, and I don't care what anybody says about this, we have to, the penalty should be death by execution. And it should be a trial which is expedited with the event itself not necessarily being tremendous coverage the way we do today with the press. It should just be a a normal amount of people to record the event and log down as someone who uh, was executed because of that particular crime, which we feel is the ultimate crime that anybody could do. Um, what, What is your solution to... You know, I'm trying to offer a deterrent. I'm trying to offer a deterrent to people who are wandering around right now with these crazy thoughts. And if you've read in the paper recently, the the police in different states have rounded up three or four different factions of either people or singular people that have had these crazy thoughts. They're rounding them up. So how do we make a deterrent to these people? Because if they do have these singular problems about hatefulness and revenge and and making statements, how do we tell these people that, okay, you have a problem, you're angry, but you can't go out and shoot people? I'm trying to make a deterrent against those people who are walking around and, like I said, have a certain amount of intelligence. They're not totally whacked out. And when they read things like this, maybe it'll 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 make a significant impression upon those people. Well, it, it might, and it, the problem is many states like Texas, for example, have the death penalty, and you know now the, the federal government has reinstated that this year. Uh, there, there, you know, is this really going to be a deterrent for some people? You you left a couple of reasons off. Uh, they go out and they want to commit suicide, but they don't want to do it of their own hand. Mm-hmm. So they, you know, we call it suicide by police or or whatever, and. Uh, Right, you know, right. they, they, they jump that way, but it's not just guns. I mean, we have people driving cars through crowds. We have, you know, nine 11, we had airplanes. Uh, it's the person. And I think you've hit on that. I think that's really the key thing. What makes it today different than it was before? Again, we've had these, I've been able to find all the way back to 1820s. The, the issue is this is happening and it's becoming such uh, a common occurrence in our lives. You know, like Bob said earlier, we have a definition for this. It's commonplace. And that's a scary thing in our society. There, there's lots of things we know that contribute to this from, you know, absentee parenting, from the desocialization that a previous caller talked about of being online and not actually learning to interact with human beings. And we know neurochemically that there's a lot of things going on when you separate 
other human beings from your socialization. A lot of neurotransmitters are not being produced at, at good enough quantities that keep us calm and keep us regulated. And I mean, it's just, it's, there's so much going on. Um, again, I think, doc, I think, go ahead. Doctor, I, I, I really think this, listening to you, basically it comes down to this, because I keep describing the shooter as not totally whacked out. I think that maybe what we can do is this, with all the hostility that they have in their minds, and they're preparing to, to do such an event, that maybe somehow we can plant a seed that says, well, I'm, I'm really angry. But at the same time, well, wait a minute, these poor children and these poor people, school children, whatever, really, how, how can I go ahead and, and shoot them? I understand I'm angry at everybody, but my God, these people have lives, and I don't think I can do You're this. Right. That's what I'm trying to do is plant the seed to prevent them. You can't stop the angriness from them, but maybe we could stop them from taking people's lives without understanding. Wait a minute, what am I doing here? That that's all I'm trying to accomplish. Well, and 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 that's 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 a difficult task because you have empathy, you care about other human beings. I do, Bob does, but we're not the people who go and do this. People who go and do this have lost that connection with other human beings, and that's the scary part. How do we identify that? And you know, I think it's more than just saying, "Hey, here's some red flags." I think those individuals could uh, be identified. And I think it's it's a very complex process. That's that's the issue, and it's very frustration. Yes, yeah, frustration. Yes, exactly, exactly. All right, thanks. And they guys. don't think like you do, or they wouldn't be doing this anyway, right? Yeah. Bob, we got to run. Thank you very much for uh, joining us on our program. Right. Have a great day, guys. Interesting uh, discussion with um, Dr. John Huber on our show. Dr. Huber is the chairman for Mainstream Mental Health, which is a nonprofit organization on the web at mainstreammentalhealth.org. And he shared an awful lot with us in uh, this discussion today. You know, um, when you look to the future, and this is may to some people seem like a kind of a bizarre question to put out here. Are you optimistic about us getting a handle I on this? I think I am. Uh, I think we're a resilient species. We're going to come back and we're going to, you know, we're going to step away and start looking at at what's really going on. And, you know, it's not a Democrat. It's not a Republican problem. It's a, it's a human problem. And uh, we've got to we've got to start thinking about this rationally. You know, 300 people, you know, 47,000 people are killed every year from handguns, 300,000 in car accidents. You know, we can go on and start rolling the statistics out there. We lose a lot of people for ridiculous reasons that are unneeded to have lost in this country. And uh, we need to be positive, and I think there's a way to do this. We just got to weed through all the all the uh, extraneous things until we find what's happening. So I think there is a, there is hope for us. Thank you very much for joining us on our program today, Dr. Huber. Thank you. And thank you to all the folks who called in. A lot of folks we could not get to. I'm sorry. Clock sometimes is not our friend here. We try to do as many calls as we possibly can on this program. We're going to make way for our top of the hour update. Rick Wolf is in the building. He's going to be bringing you the Sports Edge program after our 9 o'clock update. 
Ed Randall is by. He'll be talking baseball here on The Fan. Let me just mention something, too. Two weeks from today, there's going to be some special programming happening that Sunday morning. I'm mentioning that in a way based on some of the discussion that we just heard. Because some of that programming that day is going to deal with aspects of discussion on the topic of mental health. We'll be talking a little bit more about this next week and a lot about it two weeks from today. It's something in the discussion that's very important and one that you do not want to miss. This is Bob Salter. We're going to step aside. Seth will be along in a few moments. You're on the fan. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.